This episode of Never Have I Ever would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people in the Eora Nation and the Darug people as the original custodians of the land in which this episode was produced and pay our respects to elders past, present, and future. You've got mail. Hello. The Unusual Suspects is coming to SBS on June the 3rd. It marks the first major representation of Filipino Australians on Australian television. Let me know if you're interested in talking to the Filipino creatives. This will be interesting. My name is Ariel, and you're listening to Never Have I Ever, a podcast about experiences I never had. Welcome to episode 9 of this podcast series. So if you're just joining us, feel free to subscribe as new episodes come out each week. You can also follow us on social media at NHIE underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram and NHIE pod on Facebook. This week, I'm here to tell you that Never Have I Ever was my culture represented in the media or at least in Australian media. I never really liked watching Australian TV. It felt samey and I just wanted to watch something different. It also baffles me since Australia is a multicultural country, but a lot of shows seem to be about white people. I'm not white. I'm a migrant who moved to Australia. Why aren't I represented? So when I received an email from SBS letting me know that there's a show that showcases Filipino talent and tells a Filipino story set in modern-day Australia, you know I was both curious and excited. The show is called The Unusual Suspects, and it features a high amount of Filipino-Australian talent. The show is going to be released on June 3 on SBS TV and On Demand. Joining me is producer and co-writer Von Patiag and actress Susanna Downs, as they sit down with me for an interview to share their story and how they got here and how this show will bring light to Filipino stories shown on Australian TV. So this one is for Susana. Was it hard for you to make it to where you are right now? Like how hard did you have to work to land to where you are today to make it to where you are right now? Oh, 100%. It was super hard. You know, I'm, I'm half Filipina, half Caucasian Australian. So half the time I'm not Asian enough and half the time I'm not white enough. And I'm also five foot eight. So I'm not the conventional Asian woman who's like maximum height five foot five. I, I don't fit any stereotype that would help for a lot of castings. So I'd always have rejection constantly getting turned down for things and I'd have to look towards other avenues to be able to you know make money but then also to be creative like today for instance I was Moana from Disney's Moana for a kids party and also I would do beauty pageants as well just to be able to get my name out there in different avenues which very Filipino thing to do beauty pageants it's like one of our national sports but it's always been like that constant battle of do I keep going or do I give it all up and just work in an office or work as an editor as well because I love 
content creation and editing videos and editing photos and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it wasn't until The Unusual Suspects came around that I was like, no, I, I'm good at what I do. I work really hard at it and this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, it took a long time, but we're here. So this one is for the both of you. How hard was it to convince your parents, I want to work in the film industry? Because we all know that Filipino stereotype, either be a teacher or a nurse or just an easy, easy job. How hard was it to convince them to say, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. I want to follow my dreams. I don't want to be, you know, a stereotype while I respect those careers. How hard did you have to convince them? Yeah, Filipino parents are hilarious. <laughs> it's quite timely because I've had, um, I think just with all the recent credits I've racked up, I actually do get this question a lot from a lot of younger Filipinos in Blacktown as well. And it's all, it's kind of all sad. It's like, how do I tell my parents what I really want to do and etc. And I think like, I mean, what I always say is that like, um, I'm very blessed to be the youngest. <laughs> I'm the baby of the family. So... Like, my mom got her fill with my eldest two brothers, like, you know, full of disappointment with them. And then by the time I came around, um, you know, I was just always kind of doing my own thing. I was a bit rebellious when I was younger, etc. And I actually applied for film school and um, didn't have any backups. I just put that down because that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, my parents were like, what were your backups? I'm like, none. You know, if I don't get in, then I'll figure out what to do. And... I think um, it took them a long time to come around to the idea of film being a career. Um, it really was, you know, it took broadcast credits. Like it took uh, Tom Girl, my short film, to actually screen on SBS for my parents to actually be like, oh, wow, you've actually done something. And it's, you know, um, has some sort of impact and you can kind of have a career out of this. So I think um, it is, that apprehension is based on a lot of fear, obviously. And, you know, the life of an artist is always, it's very freelance, it's very casual, yeah. there's no certainty. So, um, but I think that's what you kind of have to wear as a badge of honor if you really go for it. So, yeah. I'm similar in the sense that I'm the baby of the family. So it's not as much pressure, but I actually am finding more pressure now than I was when I was like, in high school, wanting to figure out what I wanted to do. My parents knew that, you know, music and performing was always going to be a part of me. And that's why they sent me to a performing arts high school rather than sending me to the local Catholic school that everyone else in my primary school is going to. Cause they were like, we need to nurture this talent. She's good at what she does. She could make money from this. That's what my parents were thinking. I'm so blessed that that was their train of thought all the way back then in the early 2000s because, yeah, it's something that not many Filipino parents would even think to do. Initially, I had started doing a Bachelor of Arts pathway to teaching primary, so I was kind of following that stereotype. I wanted to be a music teacher for primary school kids, but it wasn't until I'd done maybe a month of studying that I was so upset with everything that I was doing. I'm like, this is not where I want to be. This is not the career path I'm supposed to be going down. And I actually sat my parents down. I was like, I want to do musical theatre for my degree full-time. Like I wanted to do a music degree and I didn't get the chance to do it because I didn't get high enough grades. My mom was like, my parents understood that like, you know, academia wasn't what I wanted to be doing when I was in year 12. And my mom understood, she's like, I don't care what your ATAR is as long as you graduate high school. That's all I care about. And I didn't get the highest ATAR ever. So I fulfilled that, but I, 
as long as I got into university, that's all she really cared about. I'm currently working about like 12 different jobs, which is the life of an artist. And my parents now constantly asking, oh, don't you want to go back to school and like get a teaching degree? Oh, don't you want to get a full-time job? I tell I'm I'm doing what I love. I'm happy and my boyfriend can be the teacher. That's absolutely fine. Like we've got one person who's academically bright and he's a science teacher. So he fits in with the rest of the family who are all science-based. Like my mom has a bachelor's degree in mathematics. My, my Lolo was a physics professor in the Philippines. So many uncles and aunties are all professors in universities in the Philippines, engineers, all of those kinds of things. I'm like, well, my boyfriend can be that side of things. I'm the performer. I'm the odd one out. So it took a lot of, it didn't take that much convincing when I was younger, but it's the convincing is now happening. I know that feeling. Like my, like what I swear to God, when I was growing up, because my grandma was a teacher, my mom's a teacher. I don't know about my great grandma. So I'm guessing the mindset was, you're going to be the third generation of teaching, Ariel. You're going to be the next teacher. And the moment I said, oh, I want to do something else. I don't want to be a teacher. They were like, I felt like they were a bit heartbroken. But the, when they saw how passionate I was for journalism and, docu- and documentaries and just being creative and sharing other people's stories, they're like, huh, she does have talent. She can do this. We still wish she was a teacher, though. <laughs> or a nurse. Yeah. And I, I get it. You know, they want stability. They want us to not, you know work too hard they want us to be able to live our lives and work and contribute in society and stuff like that i get it but at the same time we all have dreams and australia gave us options you know to explore different things exactly i think think innately filipinos is just like we're very practical Mm. so i think like we i mean all our parents probably gravitating towards very practical skills like nursing teaching you know and i think that's part of it too is like I think with the performing arts, there's this mystique around it. Mm. For journalism, it's just like no one really understands what we do on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> um, yeah. It totally feeds into that, um, you know, that just that parental worry, I think. But yeah. Yeah. So who are your role models growing up? Were there like any Filipino actors and actresses that you looked up to? It could be either in Australian media or in Philippine media. Growing up, I... I mean, I was a child of the 90s, so I loved High Five. And having Kathleen be one of the main, you know, leading characters of High Five and be like, oh, she looks like me. I can be just like her. Like, that was my only form of representation as a kid. But then also watching, you know, Disney movies, seeing Mulan, Jasmine, Pocahontas, I was like, oh, yeah, those girls have darker skin. I mean, I was very pale growing up, but... You know, they're darker skin, they have black hair, they look like me. And then delving more into musical theatre, I discovered Leia Salonga was the voice of two of those Disney princesses. I'm like, oh, she's a Broadway Filipina actress who voices these Disney princesses. Like, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I want to do both of those avenues. And then also Vanessa Hudgens being half Filipina and playing a role that then I ended up playing myself was um, a big inspiration for me. Again, it's someone who has had the same upbringing as myself in the context of a mixed family. 
And she's still making a name for herself and getting to be in films and TV series that have made her a household name now. And also like Regine Velasquez, like her voice is amazing. Celeste Legaspi. And then, you know, the the beauty queen side of things like Pia Wurtzbach, um, Katrina Gray. I'm encapsulating all the different umbrellas that I, I sit under and they've all inspired me up until this point. Yeah. I definitely am, like, Kathleen DeLeon was a big one for me. Just, you know, being a kid, seeing her on screen, you're just like, whoa, DeLeon. Yeah. <laughs> I know people with the last name DeLeon. Like, yeah. <laughs> Are we related? I, What's happening? Yeah, and she actually was, like, um, like a family, family friend. No like, way. Wow. Connection to her. Like, my mom was like, oh, yeah, I know her, like, mom's cousin or something. And I was just like, oh, my God. I she actually went to my high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I love how Filipino families is either I know this one famous person because I'm friends with your mom's cousin's teacher or whatever, or they went to our school. Yeah. It's always the six degrees of separation. So let's now talk about unusual suspects. For those who are listening, it's the upcoming new SBS dramatic comedy that's releasing on June 3, both on TV and on SBS On Demand. Using three words, just three words, describe the show. Only three? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were to describe the show using three words only, what would it be? Uh, funny, chaotic, finally. I would say... Um, oh, God. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say fun. Yeah. Um... Chaotic is a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna steal yours. Yeah, it's chaotic. Yeah, and and yeah, just um, like surprising. Mm. I think I think it'll surprise a lot of people. So Susanna, you said finally. Why did you choose finally? What makes why is unusual suspects? You describe it as finally because it's it's finally a, a, t- a chance for Filipino stories to be told in Australia. I barely get to play Filipino. In, in shows. Most of the time, it's either I'm like mixed Hispanic or the when I was in the last miniseries, I was Vietnamese or just that generic Eurasian. Like they don't actually like say what kind of Asian background I have. We have a big Filipino community in Australia. So why haven't our stories been told before? So that's why I said finally. Is the show going to be fully in English or are we going to be hearing some Tagalog, other dialects of Filipino? Or is it just all English? No, there's a lot of Tagalog. Yeah. Ooh, this will be fun. Tagalog, a lot of Taglish. <laughs> um, speaking in Tagalog and I was like, Mom, help! Help yes. me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were able to get really, really beautiful cast who, you know, a lot of the leads were fluent in Tagalog as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's very Filipino, mm-hmm. <laughs> the show. Yeah. Is it gonna be like you know, like you have you guys seen the dramatic comedies in the Philippines that's produced there? Like, is it gonna be something like that, or is it gonna be like something we see on Australian TV but with a Filipino twist? Like, what can we expect in this show without spoiling it, of course? I think I mean this is something I I spoke about in the writers' room too. I was like, I think we just we like we can't shy away from making this intrinsically Filipino, mm-hmm. which involves a lot of emotion a lot of melodrama a lot of laughs you know just like we love to laugh about everything like yeah you know even dark materials we like we always just kind of find you know the joy in it 
that early conversation, I just w always tried to protect and like infuse more Filipino elements. So I would, I would proudly say that I think it's very culturally Filipino. It's a good fusion of the two cinema styles, I would say. Like you've got some elements of teleseria in there, but it's not like overly for screaming at the camera, yelling at each other, <laughs> crying every few seconds. It's, it's got those moments, but it's not the whole way through. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is, it is an Australian story. It's, mm. you know, it's set in Sydney, present day Sydney, etc. So um, I think that was kind of like important to us to be able yeah. to tell and redefine what an Australian story is for audiences today. I think my favorite part when watching the trailer is basically when this one person said, think carnival. And it, and they were speaking in a strong Filipino accent and things got crazy. And I'm just like, I want this. I want to see this. I'm so looking forward to that. The theme of the party is carnival. Think chaos. So when working on this show, was it a full Filipino team or was there a mix between Filipinos and other nationalities? It was a big like melting pot of nationalities. It's, it's, it's Australia. The amount of different ethnicities we had working on this was amazing. And it just goes to show that this country isn't just blonde hair, blue eyed people because that's not the reality. And our set was definitely the true reality of what Australia looks like. Yeah, definitely. It was a um, very multicultural team. Obviously, we skewed Filipino. Like, we have this talented cast. We're all Filipino. And there's myself and Melvin, who was one of the directors on the show as well. And it did, like, it did highlight um, some gaps in our industry. We really wanted to help champion, you know, female Filipino voices in film as well. And we specifically targeted um, a lot of our, like, um, attachments. You know, like in terms of editing, production and art, you know, we really sought out um, Filipino female talent to get that leg up as well and give that give them that opportunity. And, you know, I'm proud to say that Emily, who was the art design attachment that I was able to get on the show, she actually ended up getting scooped up by Marvel. Yes. Right after, you know, and it was because of her role on this show that we sort of created that pathway for her. So. So yeah, I, I just love that the show was always really cult culturally focused on the community as well and kind of upskilling, um, just upskilling people who probably haven't had a chance to work in the film. Mm. So do you think shows like Unusual Suspects will help showcase Filipino talent in Australian media? 100%. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> My... yeah. yeah. Like that's... The... <laughs> yes. <laughs> There are many of us that have like been working for so long and this is finally our chance to like be front and center. Um, yeah, just so excited for the exposure, but also just like actually getting to have a project out there that is so hyped up like this one. So lastly, you have any final words you'd like to say? Hmm. I get, uh, uh, I mean, this is like a little self-promo, but I'm also competing in Miss World Australia. So, you know support my journey with that at my national no state final was the day after episode one airs so very busy week for me that week but I'm I'm so excited and I feel like it's like everything's happening all at the same time for a reason and 
it's only going up and up for all of us in the cast and we're just all ready to watch the whole thing. Like I've been talking to people and they're like, oh, we, I've watched the series. It's amazing. I'm like, well, you've seen more than me. So good. Like, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I am one of those people and yeah. it's very well, have to be. It's very, I am very excited for it to drop. Yeah, in terms of the drop, it is premiering on June 3rd at 8.30 p.m. on SBS. And then right after, all apps drop on SBS On Demand as well if you want to binge. I think, like, last words for me are, I think um, I'm very proud, like, of this, mm. just to be able to be part of this cast and crew. It's been a fantastic, mm. fantastic journey. And... I think one thing that we really recognize is that, like, we never really wanted to tell the Filipino story. It's just one Filipino story. We're really hopeful, and, and sure this will happen, that we can, you know, break open the market to invite more people to sort of tell their stories too, you know. We never really wanted to take too much air from other Filipinos or anything like that. And yes, even though it's a big show on a mainstream TV, like, we're, we're just super conscious that we just really wanted to tell a local story with a lot of heart. And we do hope that, you know, it, through this show, a lot of other people are inspired to sort of pick up their pens and, and tell their own stories. If you're Filipino out there and you're listening to this, like, start writing and start getting your shows together because I think there's going to be a big demand. We're telling the story of not one that is a stereotype. It's a true, realistic look at Filipinos in Australia. And I'm just so excited for it to be showcased. I would like to thank Vaughn and Susanna for taking their time to sit down with me in this interview. I look forward to seeing the show once it goes on air. I would also like to thank the people from SBS for helping me arrange this interview. If you're interested, the show is called The Unusual Suspects and it's going to be on SBS on June 3 at 8pm. You can view it on TV and on demand. My name is Ariel and this has been another episode of Never Have I Ever. There are more topics and other missed out experiences I still have to cover. So until then, I hope you stick around for the next one. You can also follow us on social media at NHIE underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram and NHIE pod on Facebook to view updates and news. Also while waiting, feel free to listen to another episode of Never Have I Ever or my other podcast Casual Nerds with Matt over on YouTube, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.